0: This is Mina Malapeti with another edition of the Seamless Connection podcast. I have with me today one of my good friends, Amit Garg, with Tao Ventures. And we are super excited to pick his brain for all things 2023. Um, but for those of you that don't know him, I'm going to take a minute here to let him um, introduce himself.
1: Thanks, Meena. I appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Uh, We've known each other for, what, like 20 years? Um, <laughs> and we work together now because... Uh, I run Tao Ventures and we're an investor in Amplify MD, uh, Mina's company. Um, Tao Ventures is an early stage venture capital fund uh, headquartered in Silicon Valley. Uh, as we speak, we are managing 86 million. Uh, we invest uh, especially at the late seed stage, so a little bit more than two people in a garage, but not quite yet there in terms of product market fit. Um, at the moment, we are writing 250 to 500,000 in terms of check size. We can increase that. Uh, by bringing other VCs of our own, investors, LPs, into deals. We focus on AI and healthcare and AI and enterprise, 44 companies as we uh, speak, and uh, four exits. Uh, really happy and proud of where the fund is. Uh, and today is January 2nd, January 3rd, uh, so it's the start of a new year. So excited about what the year brings us.
0: So speaking of, so what are you looking forward to for 2023? I know 2022 was quite the roller coaster. You and I have talked about this a number of times in terms of how the year started versus where it ended, Uh, both in healthcare and technology and the intersection of health tech across the board. What are you seeing in terms of trends that are potentially continuing from the end of last year into this year or potentially new trends that you're looking for signals of if we're going to be uh, moving in a different direction or not?
1: Yeah, no, that's a... Um small and huge question. Um, so I think anybody who tries to predict what's going to happen, uh, it's maybe 80-20 rule. Uh they'll get 80% right, 20% wrong. So I will definitely fall into that. Um, there were some things we expected that would have happened in 2022. Um, and there were some things that we weren't. And more specifically, um the two years before 2022, uh the core years of I guess uh the pandemic, um Markets took off, valuation soared, VC funding was pouring like nothing. Um, if you look by several metrics, it was a very exuberant market. And at some point, it was going to get corrected. So we fully expected there to be a correction. Uh, it happened a little bit quicker than we expected. Not, not the timing of when it happened, but the timing of how quickly it got corrected. Um, I think in 2023, we will still see some of this. Um, at least from the way we are managing Tau Ventures is we don't expect us to go back to the levels before um, the correction anytime soon. And in fact, I would argue you don't want exuberance, you want stability, right? So if you go up and down, it's probably inevitable, but you don't want it to go back up so high then it co- comes back down afterwards. So I'm hoping for stability, that's the short answer. And I think that stability depends on so many things that's happening in the world, interest rates, wars, Et cetera, et cetera. Very hard to predict, but we are at least advising of our portfolio companies to keep at least a year of runway, ideally more than that. So if they haven't raised, um, let's get some money, whether it's equity or debt. Let's make sure you have some sources of revenue if you need it. Um, maybe rejigger salaries and equity for your employees. Uh, there's so many different ways of managing cash flow. So that's what we've worked with of our portfolio. In terms of very specific trends around healthcare. Um, There's uh, Healthcare has been hammered right now, to put it mildly. Um, If you look at the market caps for several large companies, they are down significantly as much as 90%. um, And some of it is perhaps overdue, but others don't make sense. Like companies that are trading less than their revenues, um, it, it doesn't even make sense that your assets... Um, you have so many so many billions in assets, and yet you're trading at less than that. So th- there is an imbalance right now, and and healthcare invariably has to go back up, and and that trickle effect of what happens in the public markets will come down to late stage and early stage also in terms of startups. Um, my bigger message for early stage entrepreneurs, and I mean I would put Amplify MD in that category also, uh, is is very much that there's so much opportunity and. Whether markets are up or down, as an early stage startup, you're more buffered from it because you know you're operating in private markets. So for early stage entrepreneurs thinking about starting a company or that have started a company, it's easy easier said than done. But I would say, don't worry so much about it. There's so much talent out there right now that's looking for jobs. There's early stage VC funding is actually very healthy. No pun intended. I can mention several metrics. I think the cadence of your own execution, um is more important than the cadence of the world. Uh, obviously that matters, but your personal one matters even more.
0: No, completely agree. Um, and uh, having that kind of insight and that confidence in in an investor is, is exactly why we love working with you so much. Uh, in terms of kind of what you're seeing specifically in terms of the metrics for the healthcare world. And in part of the, the reason I ask about this is not just for ourselves, but also for people looking to where healthcare can grow in in a market like this, where everyone's kind of a negative nelly right now in terms of hospitals have terrible finances. They always have terrible
1: finances. They but, always do. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But, you know, the, the headlines right now are 2022 was the worst year ever for them and 2023 looking to be a repeat. So what does that mean for implications for healthcare for the system overall? Um, we did get some movement on telehealth coverage with the uh, the bill uh, that was just passed by congress uh the last at end of the year which was great news to see some some forward momentum kind of seeing where that goes with you know resurgence of covid and the triple demic, as people are calling it these are kind of immediate concerns but more broadly and on a macro level uh, and on an economic level, um, what does that mean for how people view healthcare? Right when potentially. Yeah,
1: so healthcare is a very funny industry to put it mildly, because it's it's both a social good and also a business. Um, in some ways, healthcare is recession proof. Everybody needs, you know, doctors and nurses at some point in their life. Um, at the same time, the business of healthcare is super complex between payers, providers, and I think everybody listening here to this podcast is aware to a certain degree, perhaps even more than in in certain areas than I am. But I would say that a couple of big problems that I worry about is is just shortages, uh, shortages of, of of staffing. Like there's a huge shortage of both primary care and specialists, uh, and depending on where you are in the country and what kind of care you need, that's extremely acute. Like having access to healthcare is is uh, a problem worldwide and very much so present here in the U.S. Uh, and I'm not even going to the fact of what level of insurance you have. I mean, there's so much bureaucracy in trying to get the right level of care, in getting an appointment, and then following up with those appointments, doing follow-ups, getting medications, which are very expensive. Um, so I worry about that a lot. Uh, we, we here in the U.S. have in many ways, the best and the worst of the world. We have an incredibly well-trained set of providers, doctors, nurses, physician assistants. At the same time, we have so much paperwork, so much inertia to help people get access to them. Um, So I'm particularly excited about models where we can help people actually get to the care that they need and deserve. Cut through all this paperwork, cut through all these middlemen. Uh, we have several companies in our portfolio that do pre auth. Um, so there's one called and another one called Banjo. And pre auth is basically medical authorizations. Um, we have you guys, Amplify MD, right, which is providing. Um, Basically, ways for people to get access to specialists. So, you work with primary care physicians, you get access to specialists, which is huge. Like, otherwise, you can spend months getting access to the right kind of specialists. We had another company in our portfolio that has exited Rubicon MD, which is in a similar vein, also providing access. Uh, We have another company called Infinitas that's providing benefits management, to put it very high level. So, how do you understand when and what to get? in in terms of what you're eligible for um it's a par- it's a very hard question like i don't know myself sometimes like what can i get and where can i get it done
0: yeah no completely and then taking it from that business level at, at from an investment perspective and a business perspective that you look at the companies with every day maybe to a little bit more personal level everyone has a healthcare story it's one thing i like to talk about on this podcast a lot in terms of um, what's been their experience with the healthcare system? What did it, you know, was there ever a situation where you needed care and access to care? Where oh boy, <laughs> oh,
1: boy. I know where do we, <laughs> we start here? Where uh, do we start here? No, well, first of all, let me put a disclaimer, a couple of disclaimers out there. Um, um I'm deeply grateful to everybody who works in healthcare. I think they are heroes. Uh, my wife is a physician. Uh, I almost became one. I studied to be one, and then ended up going through engineering and working at companies like Google and building my own companies, but I've always been very close to medicine. And and that's why I do what I do today, which is uh, invest in companies that are using AI to solve big problems. Um, but in terms of personal stories, um, gosh, uh, I can think of so many, but um, every year I, I, I personally go through something where I need access to a specialist. Like I remember one year I fell from a bike and I broke my, um, it wasn't clear at the time, but I, I I had an injury on my hand. I ended up breaking my scaphoid and just getting access to the right specialist took me a few days. And in the meantime, I was under pain. And I'm lucky because um, I know enough and I'm married to somebody who knows a lot more than me and um, we can navigate through healthcare in much better ways. But I wonder if I didn't. like. I wouldn't even know where to go and what to do. I remember another instance a couple of years ago where my primary care physician was out on a leave and uh, the replacement, the person who was subbing for for her was uh, not available for two or three months for an appointment. And I needed to go through that in order to get to a specialist for what I needed. And I needed it right away. Um, and, and it took um, some cajoling, some... Um, strong words and 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 some knowing what to do in order to actually get through and most people don't have that benefits um so i think we need uh we need to simplify all of this um we we cannot pop- foreigners who come to the us are like their minds are completely like boof, boggled by how complicated it is
0: yeah no to to get yeah, patients the care they need regardless of where they are is so painful sometimes and it's just um yeah so i'm sorry you had to hear you go through those but i'm glad well, wait,
1: everybody has everybody Every, has like unfortunately, problem, right? yeah my experience my experience is probably one of the less worst because i i i know enough and i know enough people and i i um live amidst medicine but most people don't so i i think we need to solve the problem for everyone. And I, I, I think that you guys, by the way, I'm putting a shameless plug here, do that. That's why we took the bet. I, I think very much that you guys are solving a very big problem there in, in terms of providing access to specialists.
0: In terms of, um, thank you so much for that, but okay. in terms of looking at how this alleviates pressure on the system overall, so getting people that, that access to care, one of the things people don't, don't realize is they say, oh, it's so expensive. Oh, healthcare, it always costs so much, et cetera, and fair market value and, and cost of care. What they don't realize necessarily or don't think about is what is the cost of doing nothing, or in your case, what was what would have been the cost of waiting three months to see that specialist? Right, would things have gotten progressively worse? Someone with cancer, three months later, you could be terminal versus maybe you was absolutely. A, a um, and so, one of the things that bog boggles me and when, wondering if you've seen this elsewhere is um, people think, oh, you'll you'll get to them eventually. It's not like we're saying no; we're just saying not yet or not today, right? But that cost of that delayed care—have you seen that? um, move through the system in other ways and create pressures, even on the same providers, not just the patients, but the providers. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm not the first one to say this, but we have in this country, actually globally, uh, we don't have healthcare. We have sick care. We're great at taking an emergency, a urgent situation and, and solving it. You had an accident, you know, the best doctors will come in and we'll operate, we'll take care, we'll package you and send you home, move on to the next one, right? We're terrible about chronic long-term diseases. So diabetes, obesity, heart, like all of these things, they don't usually happen from one day to another. They usually take small, like little steps every day over the course of a decade and so, and then something happens, right? Um, A heart attack is usually the result of multiple years of things that Went in a way that they shouldn't have, right? Um, obviously, I'm I'm generalizing a little bit here. There are exceptions to all of this. The emergent things can happen even with chronic diseases. But um, I, I I think we're terrible at prevention. That's what I would love to. We we actually our healthcare thesis overall is is three pillars. One is cancer. So we look at ways at many companies that use computer vision to detect colon cancer, machine learning to do drug discovery to help with cancer, right? Like cancer is such a big thing with so much data, so much more computational power now available to us that we can make sense of it. The second big thing that we have in our investment thesis is chronic diseases, all the things I was just talking about, um, and really focused on prevention in some ways. Uh, we, we have a company called Signos that was actually in, in the same podcast also a couple of years ago um, that uses a, reuses a continuous glucose monitor to help you not with diabetes, but with losing weight. And and if you lose weight, there's so many other conditions that you can keep at bay. And, and losing weight, by the way, in the right way, like I'm not just saying shed pounds and gain them back, and shedding pounds for the sake of shedding pounds. It's it's about doing it in a sustainable way, and um, and 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 making sure that you also build muscles. But signals, for instance, has helps is, is helping hundreds of thousands of people with that journey. Um, and then the third big bucket we have is what I call the back end of healthcare, which is simplifying paperwork, simplifying bureaucracy, improving processes. And I put you guys actually in that bucket also, uh, Mina. So um, I think we need to work on all three fronts and, and technology and innovation is, is a big part of the answer. It's not the whole answer. Yeah. Uh, there are things that can probably best be done if not only be done through policy changes. Um, so I think all of us who work in some ways with healthcare should be aware of, of what's going on in DC and in Sacramento and you know, what's happening overall in society and, and try to be advocates in terms of educating people and in terms of moving the right kind of, of, of thinking and legislation forward. Nope, that's fantastic.
0: Um, Couldn't have said it better myself. I guess I'll leave you here with one last question, which is what's next? We've talked a lot about kind of general trends for kind of the the, the industry overall in this macro micro environments. We've talked about um, the importance of kind of where our system is today and where it needs to be to deliver better care to people, both on preventative and um, emergent side of things. What do you see as next and what gets you most excited for this coming year in terms of where you're looking?
1: Uh, so we are AI investors, That's we started this fund uh, just about three years ago with fundamentally the thesis that AI is now doable in a way that wasn't even conceivable before, and that trend is continuing, if not accelerating. Um, there's increasing amounts of data, there's increasing amount of computational power, there's improving regulation and frameworks on how to manage digital innovation. Um, the FDA, for instance, has become better and better at at, at how digital innovation is put out in the world. Uh, there's a ch- cultural change among providers and payers, and not just because of COVID. COVID accelerated it, but even before that, there were secular trends in which doctors and nurses were much more accepting of of new ideas and new technologies. Um, So I remain excited about the conjunction of all of this, which is basically, let's use AI in a very, very meaningful way to solve problems in healthcare. Like, If you need to make sense from noise, if you need to find signals from that noise, AI is an incredibly powerful, versatile, multidimensional Swiss knife. It it can do so many things for you and it's not going to take away jobs, which a lot of people tell me um, they get afraid that AI is going to replace them. And look, it's going to shift jobs. Absolutely. It's going to shift jobs in a massive way, perhaps more so than than any other bigger revolution that has happened, industrial revolution, agricultural revolution, we will have to learn and unlearn as a society, but it will also create tremendous amounts of jobs. And if we owe it to ourselves to use it in the right way, also, we're pretty far from replacing a doctor, if that's the worry. Like AI is very good at specific things and it's a very powerful tool to do those specific things. I think it can make the job for all of us much easier and much better.
0: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing what the year brings both for you and I in in the coming months here. And in the meantime, um, happy new year and I'll see you next week at JPMorgan.
1: Likewise, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening in and quick plug, uh, we will be at JPM and if you are interested In in coming by of our events, we are hosting a happy hour. Um, You can message me and I'll send the details. We posted about LinkedIn Um, and Mina, thank you very much. Excited for you too, for what brings the new year.